You feel that? We on fire. Mm. All right, shoot by fire. Episode number nine, my brother. How powerful is that? No, it's 10. No, we on number nine, man. Okay, okay. Nine is fine as wine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, here to connect with the people here. Well, obviously, we got a lot to talk about today. Diving right in on some very powerful topics. Topics that are really going to affect our day-to-day and how the uh, the mixture of technology, robotics, inflation, vaccinations, universal income, a godless nation. Man, we got we got we got a lot to break down today. So starting with this first topic, you had um been discussed with me in the area of personal robotics, the, the level of technology that's coming that I already was foreseen. A number of years ago, and now it's uh, it's on a precipice of actually entering our day to day. Robotics and AI stepping into the mainstream. Let's talk about it. Yeah, no doubt. What's happening right now is a guy named Klaus Schwab, and he's the head of the World Economic Forum. Very powerful man, very dangerous man. He came out in 2016 in an interview in Europe, stating that. Uh, we are at the precipice within 10 years of that day, which would make it 2026, which is three years from now, that people would have their own personal robots and artificial intelligence would be included with the robot. Along with that, they would start putting microchips in your clothing, starting off, so that when you were moving around, your robot would move with you and then you could direct your robot to do whatever you wanted to do. Along with it doing your manual labor, mind you, that it would have artificial intelligence and so that you could speak to the robot and the robot could speak to somebody else that had a robot attached to them, to their clothing. So then this interface would work between two different parties and multiple parties at the same time. This would eliminate manual labor. Now, what they're trying to do is with manual labor is all the basic you know, work that needs to be done, whether you got a, you're picking up a broom, you're hammering a, a nail, or you're taking off something, a book out of a shelf, or whatever the case may be, that would be outdated. That's over. So now those people that do those types of jobs, they got a problem. So that's what they came up with a long time ago saying we're going to have universal income forever. So that means that these people that are doing manual labor will never, ever have a job again because robots will be doing it. Simple. So then they will just get a welfare check forever. And we'll get to that later. So then along with that process, okay, and them having this robot, this, this sentient being, attached to you, eventually they are believing that the next phase would be that they would attach a microchip to your brain. Elon Musk came out with Neuralink. We already know about that. And then he's talking about putting a microchip in your right hand or your forehead. Same situation all over again, Neuralink. And then that would then tie into the sentient being and then it would also tie into the digital network, which would be all the sentient beings along with the internet and everything else that's attached to your house, home, car, business, job, whatever. And then at that point, you would communicate directly. So you could just say, I want to talk to Kareem. There would be no phone. It would be nothing else. Your guys would have a sentient being communicating directly through your brain. Or you could talk to your robot, and your robot could talk back to you. You guys can kick it that way. Or maybe even go brain to brain. doesn't matter. But what they're setting this system up to be is that it's a digital platform. It's a digital world. Okay. So those that are not, they're trying to interact with that digital world, will never be able to interact without having the the ability to have those 
interlinking pieces, which is a microchip in your brain or in your skin. <clears throat> so this is where we're at right now. And I don't think people are prepared to make those decisions. Now, there's some other things that are attached to this, which we're going to get into in, more in depth. But the main focus is that this whole process has already been started. Now, some people, even the people that I've been close to in the, in the church world, argued against what I was saying. And now there's no argument. Their problem is they didn't understand data processing like I did. I used to work at IBM. I worked at Jet Propulsion Laboratory. I did coding for that. I did. I worked on this, on the Galileo project, and I did systems test software. I helped develop it, small piece of it, nothing big. But at IBM, I did a lot of work. I worked on mainframe computers, and I inter interlinked them with uh, with microcomputers, and I did a lot of wiring and software uh, configuration, changing things around. So I absolutely know what I'm talking about. And I dare anybody to have a conversation with me about it because I'm going to make them look stupid. Sorry. So now the bottom line is that the stuff that I was learning from a brilliant black man, John Whitlock, who was the researcher, he was the, the R&D vice president for IBM. And this is before affirmative action. So you can go back to your Hidden Figures movies and look at that. Black people were absolutely brilliant and doing things to, with technology that no one even wants to talk about. Well, I got to live that experience. And I saw things that were 35,000 generations ahead of that time. And that was in the late 80s. And the stuff that I saw still is not out right now to this day. So I'm letting you know right now, the technological advancements we have are far beyond what we're talking about. Now, this system that they're talking about right now is a rollout. So the mark of the beast in Revelations 13 is telling you very clearly that you're not going to be able to buy or sell or without this processing unit in you. But it's not just the chip. That's where everybody's going, well, I don't have the chip on me, so that means that it's not there. It's not the chip. It's a system. It's a complete and overall system. And they're telling you right now they have the system and they're ready to roll it out. And we can start discussing different pieces of it. But that's the overall perspective. So now there's going to be a lot of people who just manual labor and things like that. Their world's going to change. People that are working at McDonald's and doing checking and stuff like that. They're already phasing that out. That's going to change. Soon you're not going to even go into the store because you're going to have a robot who will do all your work for you. And pick up all your items and do everything else for you. So this whole world is getting ready to change. And I just want you to know we're at the precipice of this so that you can start making some qualified decisions about who you're going to stand with, what you're going to stand on, and what you're going to truly believe. Very powerful statements. Now, we know there's going to be, you know, the contrarians to this to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. This seems a little bit too bizarre, too absurd to actually be possible. I mean, yes, we, you know, we've seen our movies, <laughs> the iRobots, you know, even the Jetsons. All of these bringing in the idea of, of a robot coming in and even Puppy Pals and all these little shows and whatnot. And yeah, <laughs> you know, with the little robot and all of that <laughs> thing assisting you in your day to day and you're looking after your domestic activities. But, you know, for a person to say, you know, we're going to actually have these AI robots in our homes that's connected symbiotically to our actual brains and having that connectivity. What do you say to to that conversation like how how close are we and where's the proof now that we're on that way like you said we're on the precipice of it they're rolling it out or tell us in our day-to-day -day how we're starting to see those things happen because <laughs> to, to the average individual that sounds kind of kind of out there well let me say this this is this is so simple you got to ask yourself the simplest question if you have an iphone i don't know if you do if you do have an iphone you know that you have a thing called siri you talk into siri and siri gives you all the answers where the answer's coming from? There's your answer. Where the answer's coming from? They're coming from what? Google? 
I don't know, whatever search engines that they have, whatever libraries, digital libraries that they do have, you're accessing those. So how's that, how's that such a far-reaching scenario? Look at Tesla. You got a self-driving car. Okay? You got, you got, um, you got, it speaks back to you. It talks to you. It directs your path. There are some people that don't even type anymore. They just talk into a software package and it writes for How's this far-reaching? How's this out of bounds? How's this so far out we can't see it? These are small little pieces of the puzzle. Now you have people that are actually at this particular moment in time cannot walk. So they now are using um, um, prosthetics that have what? Artificial intelligence. So they can move their arms and legs, the prosthetic legs, with a, with a microchip attached to their brain or the spinal cord, and they give the signal out and the, and the arm and the leg moves. You can look for yourself. You have robots right now that they have that can do uh, an assortment of things. you got drones that are fighting instead of people inside of the planes anymore. <laughs> what are we talking about? If that's so far-reaching, then you are really blind. These advancements are far beyond that. We have more technology, technological advancements that they're telling you, and this is getting ready to happen. This is a new form of economic power. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. My grandpa was born in 1890, okay? So he talked to me. He lived until the early 70s, and I talked to him, conversations with him. And so I have, a, I have a distinct advantage because he told me the transfer. He remembers when there was mud and shit in the street, dirt in the street. They had a trough and a horse and a buggy. Then he saw it go from there to the Model T with bicycle tires. And by 1920, you had concrete suits on, electricity, and zoot suits. It just happened just that quickly. So you're talking about 30 years, it was completely changed over. Now, if you know the cycle from 1919 to 1970, that's a huge changeover. You had an airplane for the first time and everything. 1970, you already been to the moon. It's the same span of time from 1970 to 2022. Think about that. And if you can see the technological change in that period of time, then you should be prepared for the technological change that's getting ready to happen right now. We went to the moon. This is going to be something outstanding, outlandish, beyond the con concepts and comprehension of the average man. They're going to have to see it first, and it's coming. So you're going to see it. So it's not something that's so far reaching. Sorry. Well, definitely very powerful, interesting points. I mean, yes. I mean, one would have to agree with, you know, the advancements of technology, the kind of usage of AI from Siri to Alexa, you know, getting used to the idea of speaking to a piece of digital robotics or AI, you know, to, uh, you know, change the temperature in your home, to change the channels, change the musical selections, you know, asking Siri questions and giving you answers back, literally having a conversation. Um, so definitely all things are there. Well, tell me this, um, for those who, you know, want to ask the question, okay, great, we've got robotics. So what you're saying is, is there a transition in the economic model? We've got robotics stepping in. I mean, as you know, as a civilization, we started nomadically, right? We, we traveled from place to place where the food was. So as the food traveled, we traveled, right? Then we went from there to agriculture, mm -hmm. right? So agriculture phased out the nomadic lifestyle, right? So right. we went from agriculture and farming, from agriculture and farming. The then we went to what? The industrial revolution, mm -hmm. right? So then that started to get phased out, right? Then we went from industrial to information age. Then we went from information age to digital age. To the digital age. So now you're telling us. We're going from the digital age, 
No, we're going from the information. From the information age to the digital age with the advancement of robotics and AI. So with that being the, the precipice from what you're saying, how does that relate to, as people say, what does that got to do with the price of coffee? Price of tea in China? Yes. Let me tell you something right now what's got the price of tea in China. Let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm glad you asked that question. Brilliant brother right here. Um, let me say this to you very carefully. When you change... The mark when you change the product, you change the marketing and the strategy. Now, my brother, uh, 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 uh Nino Brown said that. <laughs> Wesley said, Snipes, Wesley Snipes, New Jack City. So, when you change the product, you change the marketing strategy. Now, the product's changed. We're saying now, hey, you don't have to do no manual labor, you don't have to be. You can have when they said that <clears throat> Mark Zuckerberg's gonna have a personal robot as his butler. Think about it. He didn't just say he's just going to pick up trash off the ground. And I got people, I know friends of mine, they got a robot called iRobot. It mops the floors, it sweeps the floors. That's going on right now. He, he The advancement so cold for Zuckerberg, he's got a personal butler. Think about that. Now, most people that are very wealthy have butlers. Usually they're male for the guy. And he goes around, he presses the suits, he, he drives a car, he carries a gun, he's a bodyguard. And he just watches over, shaves him. He makes sure everything's covered in the house. He's covering everything. And if there's more than one person in the house, he's the responsible party. So the butler is really the most personal, personal security guard that you could have and watching over everything you have. This is an AI piece of equipment that's a robot that this said that he has right now. So that should just get your attention. The next thing is, is that if you have this new system, that means that some people are going to be phased out. Back in the industrial age, the farmers were being phased out because they had equipment that could produce, get, go out there and get the crops, could put the seeds down, could harvest them and store them faster than any man could do it. So those people got phased out. So when you went from that to the information age where people started saying, hey, listen, um, we're industrial, but we don't need to be so hands on. We're starting to employ what? Robotic technology. Robots started doing what? Packaging things, storing things, and then they put it in trucks, and then they get them to the store, and then they would also start using the point of sale system, POS, the barcode. All that became cool. But now we're going from the information age to the digital age. <coughs> and the digital age is, hey, artificial intelligence, which means that they have so much storage and the processing, <laughs> excuse me, the computers process so fast that it seems like. The computer and the system, the autonomous being, is actually communicating right back to you. But it's not. But that's a sophisticated way of saying it. But they're just operating like any other human being. There's set rules and set things that they can do. Just like anybody else. You give them a job description, do these things, and the robot, robot will do it without having a problem. So that changes the economy. Why? Because the people now are not needed. We don't need them to work anymore. We don't need to give them a salary. We don't need to give them bonuses we don't need to give them raises and we don't have to give them health care so you want to start seeing why it's going to change the economy change the whole situation change the whole world so they're not going to market to you for that so they're saying with the, these powerful companies are saying listen we know these people are not going to be able to work anymore so what we'll do is we'll pay their welfare forever we'll give them a set salary they just sit off to the side and they can buy the products but the people that are needed that we need to use that are integrated into the system they will be making the money and they will pay the taxes so you all have a class of people that are on welfare, white, black, orange, green, forever. That's what we're talking about. 
<clears throat> so if you talk about films like iRobot, you know, you talk about films like uh, Space Odyssey, mm -hmm. 2000, right? How? Right. There you go. iRobot, same thing. Terminator, the same thing. You know, AI takes over the world. You know, I have people on, on house arrest and now controlling, manipulating maybe time, knowledge, the economy, but how we live our lives socially. So if we fast forward to today, right, this is just film, right? It's supposed to just, just be films, entertainment. And yeah, you're telling us it's not entertainment. It's actually our, our future and our present reality for what you're talking about. Uh, it's not future. It's, 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 it's present and a very, very near <laughs> future. <laughs> Weeks and months, not 10 years away. We're talking about less, you know, three to five years maximum, you're going to be seeing this stuff rolling out. All right. So there you go, people. You've got robot technology and AI taking over symbiotic relationships with the human race. Man, that's, uh, that, that's, that's, a, lot, that's a lot to take in. So process slowly, ladies and gentlemen. Now, next thing I want to talk about, speaking of the economy, you know, we see right now uh, gas prices. We've, we've been, we, we're hitting an all-time high gas prices going to $6, $7 here in California on the West Coast. And now those prices start to drop. However, there is a transition as those prices go down that the price of food is exponentially increasing. You can't even get a, a slab of thighs, skinless and boneless, at your local supermarket. Now it's up to double digits. Right. So um, what, what do you think? Well, what's the play here? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. That is a major problem right now. And there's, there's several reasons. Um, three of them I'm using specifically. <clears throat> the first reason is this. Think about it. The gas prices were in Southern California seven over $7, 745 $770. It was on its way to 8 and in Northern California, it was above eight. <clears throat> so why were the gas prices so high? Because they were trying to say, well, we don't need people to have individual fuel. Be able to individually fuel their vehicles and their house and everything else like that. They're trying to minimize that. But what happened is they're trying to sell electric vehicles, but the grid has not been changed. So they realized it's not going to work. Now it was a political ploy by the Democrats, and you just got to, they got to own it. <clears throat> it didn't work. So it goes down. And they bought, they bought it down on purpose. But let me say this to you. The reason why the food prices are going up because of one simple reason. I believe, and this is just looking at the facts that are standing in front of us, is that they're raising the food prices because they want to limit people from eating. And why would they want to limit people from eating? That's the question you got to ask. And I think that has a lot to do with what's going on with COVID as well. Let me give you the example. COVID-19 comes, but most people don't realize that it was developed here in America, in the University of Pennsylvania and the University of Colorado Boulder, the people that were making CRISPR and dealing with uh, mRNA. <clears throat> so they understood the human body, and they started to digitize this process of changing a vaccine. Never in the history of this, this world we've ever had a digitized version of a vaccine. Usually they just give you some of the, the actual thing that you're going to buy. You're going to have to fight and give you small doses of it so that your white blood cells will get stronger and give you a defense shield. This way they controlling your whole immune system based upon having a microchip, <clears throat> which is called nanotechnology, inside the vaccine itself. So getting back to the food source, if the person is eating a certain food, and they can get sick by eating that food, having whether they have an allergic reaction or this opens up portals for you to get the disease that they don't want you to get. So now they're starting to have this thing called genetically modified organism, which is what food. 
and they've been rolling out this lab-based food for the whole time. So they've been slowing down the, the actual re, the growing of natural food along with why they've been increasing the amount of genetic mod, genetically modified food. So these lab foods that they're sending out, animals and plants. So there's a reason why they're inflating the price on food because they want you to be able to buy their lab food that's going to end up coming, coming, coming up cheaper. And the, you know, the organically grown food is way more expensive. How do I know? Because I go to Gelson's. It's very expensive. <clears throat> so they do that on purpose. So they're trying to price you out the, out the marketplace and show you a, a cheaper and a more technologically advanced new version of that food. So that's why. And this is not just happening for no reason. This is all working in concert together. So we're trying to change the whole format. We don't want people to have regular vaccines and regular ways, homeopathic ways of taking care of yourself and eating to live. We want you to take our digitized digital food, digital um, uh, medicines, and we want to connect you to a digital platform, which is a digital society in a digital world. All of it will be monitored by satellites and <laughs> microchips at the same time. Is that making sense? Wow. Well, to the average individual, that's a whole lot to take in, my brother. But what about those who say, hey, didn't we just have an Inflation Reduction Act? Over all 50 Democratic senators voted to pass this Inflation Reduction Act that costs, I guess, apparently over $700 billion, which in fact raises taxes on the middle class, hires about 87 thousand new RS agents to target working class families and accelerates the war on American energy. Oh, and by the way, it seems to be actually in increasing inflation that much more. So what's the, uh, yeah, what, what's the play there? I mean, if they're calling it an inflation reduction act, and yet it seems to be doing quite the opposite. Well, first of all, economic science tells you this. If you spend more money, you're going to inflate the money supply, which is going to inflate prices. If you want to reduce the money and, the, and, and, and reduce inflation, you reduce the money supply. How do you do that? They're saying tax. That's what they're trying to tell you right now. We're going to tax everybody. We're going to take their money from them. And we're going to give it back to the government. So that's how we're going to reduce inflation. That's not how you reduce inflation. In a free market society, a free market arena, how do you reduce prices? Is that you can have two choices. You can increase supply, which will bring down the prices. Because there's more supply than there is customers. So the price has to go down. You know what the first thing we can do with that? Open up the XL pipeline. We were, at that point when Trump was in office, we were net, net for the first time in 70 years. It means that we were a net oil producer, meaning that we were producing more oil than we needed. So we could take the excess of that oil and sell it out in the open market, which dropped the prices for everyone. But if you're pushing for OPEC and you're pushing for Russia and you're pushing for China, which they said that Trump is doing, which he didn't do. He increased our oil supply from going from Canada all the way down to us. And that brought the price down to $36 a barrel. It's over 100 now. See what I'm saying? We're talking about $60 a change. So guess what? Those people that were in OPEC and Russia and China, they were getting their behinds kicked. While Americans' gas prices and fuel prices and everything else that's associated with oil went down to its lowest levels in 70 years. This is simple. It's not hard. So what they're telling you is a complete lie. So they have no problem. Their whole thing is we're going to tax and take your money from you. Now we're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents. For what reason? They're going to audit every single one of you guys and walk around and catch you for every little dime you can get to take that money back. 
The very money they gave you during COVID for the stimulus, they're going to take it back and they're going to call that an inflation reduction act. Give me a break. Well, I mean, you're making a lot of points here. And, you know, if we have a current administration who's saying they, they're, they're by the people, for the people, right? We're creating these reduction acts. Um, we want more opportunities for the American people to thrive. But now you're saying on the other side of things, and even in prior conversations we've had, that the supply of food is being controlled. We've got GMO coming in, genetically modified organisms in our food. So are we really having an institution that's really trying to help and aid and uplift and build the growth of this nation? Or it seems to be the opposite from what you're saying. Hey, it's obvious that it's opposite. They don't want America to be powerful anymore. America has to come down and be reduced so that the rest of the world can have, be able to take some of the pieces of America and then take them to different parts of the world. That's what they're trying to do. When you do a corporate takeover, you take the corporation over, you keep the most valuable parts, and then the lesser valued parts, you sell them out. But some other countries, you might want to buy them and use them for themselves. You can't have a, world, a global initiative unless you start to share America's power. And that's what they're trying to do. The problem is there's people that are business people like myself and others that can see this hypocrisy. And eventually it's going to reach your doorstep, whether you have a business or a job or you're a manual labor or you're an entrepreneur or you're an executive. It's all coming to fruition right now. And why? Because they want to control you. We're in a free society here. We're in a free market existence. We have a free society, which is free under the Constitution. You have the right to, the right to free speech, the right to, 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 your right to be able to believe whatever God you want to believe. You don't have to believe the God I want you to. Believe whatever you want. You can believe there's no God. And you have the right uh, under the law, under the 14th Amendment, you have the full protection of the law. So they can't do illegal search and seizures and all this other stuff. This stuff is changing now. They're trying to tell people what they can say. They came out with this whole thing about being transgender and I have to change the way I communicate with someone. I, I'm not going to do that. I have the right to, to stand on the English language, which I'm going to. If you're a man, I'm going to call you a man. If you're a woman, I'm going to call you a woman. You can change your name. I respect Muhammad Ali when he changed his name. Anybody changes their name, I respect your name change. But I'm not going to change. You're not going to tell me how to respond to you as a gender neutral person. So these things are happening. They're trying to change the whole fabric. They don't want the old world. They want a new world. That's why it's called a new world order. They want a new society, a new framework, and a new ideal system. And they're pushing for that. So you have to make that decision. And they're going to put it right to your face. You want to be part of this new technological advancements? We are beyond the old framework. We have a new framework. We want you to be a part of it. Do you want to choose it or not? You know? And that's where, that's where we're at right now. Seriously. <clears throat> Or, you know, you're talking about new world order, new frameworks and how we're going to operate as society, as Americans, as patriots, as Christians, as conservatives, as individuals who care about our livelihood. Well, stepping into, you know, the ideas about the CDC, you share their, their recent guidelines and mandates um, are being uh, lessened, I guess, minimized. <laughs> and, um, you know, it seems like we're, we're trying to get a lot more freedom, you know, and installing a lot more stimulus into the economy, people going back to work, living their lives in much more normal capacity. Yes, we've got the recent scare of the monkeypox and all of the other things, but if they're if they're laxing on some of those mandates and things like that, or at least minimizing to give people more of their freedoms, then 
how is it that you think they're, they're trying to put constructs on us and, and try to restrict us if the CDC is, is lowering some of those intense mandates they had in prior months? Well, I'm glad you brought it. That was a very good question. Um, standing from the outside looking, oh, no, look what the CDC has changed. But why did they change? It was such a disastrous situation that they had proposed to everybody. If you get COVID-19, you're going to die. That's just it. And so you have to protect your family. So we want you to sequester yourself. Don't talk to anyone. Do not get next to anyone. Just stay away. They did that for a year. Then they come up and they said, at the end of the year, we got a vaccine. You take the shot, and then you don't have to worry about it. Well, traditional vaccines, you took the shot one time. You took a measles shot, you didn't need to. You took a you took a polio shot, you didn't need to. You know what I'm saying? You took all kinds of shots, you didn't need them. You just need them one time. Measles shot one time. So they said that. Then they come, oh, you need the next shot. You need to, you need to be you need to be fully vaccinated. Same shot all over again. But then when they said you need the booster, people started to question and say, wait a minute. I know people that have been boosted three times on top of the two shots they already took. That means they've been inoculated five times. That's crazy. And people are starting to make sense in their head that this doesn't make any sense. You don't keep giving people the same shot over and over. So once they've gotten enough people inoculated, like Dr. Martin said, <laughs> brilliant man, you need to look him up. He said now they have over 700 million people they believe within by 2028 are going to leave here. They're not going to be here anymore. They tested that those vaccine shots on animals, every animal possible that they tested on, and every one of them died within two months. <clears throat> so that's something you have to take in consideration. Don't believe me. I'm just giving you the information. Go do your own research. So let's go back to the CDDs changing their, their, their guidelines. Their guidelines have been changed because they knew it wasn't going to work anyway. People knew that it wasn't happening. They, they get vaccinated and still getting COVID-19. Some of them getting worse and worse. People are dying because I know at least five people in the last year that have died because of the vaccine shot, especially the booster. So <clears throat> at some point, they had to say, hey, this is Raxis. UCLA came out and said the other day, last week, you don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to be fully vaccinated. You can decide if you want to be vaccinated or not. You can decide if you want to wear a mask or not. What? You scared us to death, but now it's okay. You know, we're fine. That makes sense to you? Now, if that makes sense to you, then go ahead and believe it. The concept of that makes absolutely no sense. If you're in a bio environment that you need to have a hazmat suit on and you need to be protected from head to toe, like they used to have all the doctors doing that, and now you're saying nobody needs to be protected, does that make sense to you? So overall speaking, yes, people are going back to work, but you have to think about for the two years that you were not going to work, all the things that were said to you and the people that were saying it to you. Now you want to believe their assessment about what's going on right now? That means that they already knew it wasn't as deadly as they thought it was, and they were just doing this to have that they have another perspective. And I think the perspective is, is very clear. They wanted to change what we're getting ready to do in the very near future. The digital world and the platform that they have is getting ready to be rolled out, and you're going to have to make a quantitative decision. You have to think about it. Do you want to be a part of it or not? That's the question. Well, all these pieces that you're putting together here, you know, can be can be looked at as, you know, as they say, conspiratory or just, you know, theory in essence. So, you know, to those who are going to be, you know, obviously questioning what you're talking about and the detractors of that. And even more so, you made a very bold statement I want us to get into of how we are slowly but surely becoming a, a godless nation. And how does that play a role? Because, hey, 
I mean, we're looking at it. People still going to church, right? Still going to church, filling up the pews. Um, a lot of people still passionate about God in this country and standing up for the flag and conservatives. So how is it that from your point of view that we are becoming less about God, less about the Bible and more about this world order you're talking about? I'm glad you asked that question. The reason why I can say that and feel very comfortable and confident about it is because of two reasons. The first reason is that we're seeing this whole system that is, we just had. I'm helping you to identify and look at it for yourself and see that these all these pieces are connected and it's all one system. Next reason why I'm going to say this is because most people are trying to make the Bible liberal. Well, I don't really believe this and changing the, the um, interpretation of it, NIV, all this other stuff. No, no, no. You need to look at everything from the ancient Hebrew. Get you an ancient Hebrew dictionary. And you'll find out what the definitions really mean of those words. Not from the Webster's, because that's not what the Bible was written in. The Bible was written in an Eastern philosophy. So you have to go back to the original language to understand what it's saying. And when you start to do that, a lot of these people that have liberalized the Bible, the Episcopalians and other different people, and I'm not trying to dog them out, because we're all Christians. We all need to be under the heading of Christ, under the head of Jesus. But what I'm saying is that they don't want to look at the Bible for what it is. They pick and choose what they want to stand next to. And this is causing a major division. And so now you got one side, it's a liberal considered, and then the other one's supposed to be conservative. There's no liberal and conservative in God's kingdom. His word is truth. Truth cannot be debated, can't be argued, and it cannot be sliced and diced. It has to be considered the truth. If you believe it's the truth, then you have to stand on it. So going back to what this godless nation portion of it is right now, we just they just had an AP press, poll, uh, press release, came out and said that, America is now down to 81% Christian. Just 10 years ago, we were at 90-something percent, and we were worried. Before that, we were at 98. So within 20 years, we've lost 20%, 10% a year. So they're saying, hey, you know what? And people, 20% of this population is 400 million people. 10% would be 40 million. That means 20% is 80 million. 80 million people don't believe in God anymore. So when you start to have this great apostasy, this great falling away that God said it was going to happen before the Jesus' return, you're starting to see it right now. So you match that with this great apostasy, people not going to church, not want to hear about Jesus, not want to stand on the word of God, want to be told what they want to be told. When you go into these prosperity preachers that just want to tell you to live your best life now, and you got Satan out here all inside that church pushing that doctrine, at the same time they're laying out these and putting together these digital platforms, which are integrating themselves together at one point, and they're going to have one religion. It's going to be a one religion world. All the different religions will be mixed together and say, we support the same God, which is impossible. Even Jesus said that. <laughs> so now the point is, this is happening in front of your face. And are we going to stand up and do the right thing? There are Catholics, Protestants, Lutherans, excuse me, Episcopalians, um, Seventh-day Adventists. All these people standing around, you know what I'm saying, Protestants, are all truly love Jesus. And they don't want to hear about anybody, any man in a way. They want to stand for God, and they want to stand for this country as well. And they are, they are God-fearing people that love this country and are patriotic. If we can get all those people together and stay together, we'll look at what's going on and say, hey, you know what? This is not right. And if the people don't agree to it, then the powers of be have to reassess their position, and they're going to have to politically take a step back and say, hey, maybe it's not time. 
But it's up to the people to react to it. If the people don't do anything about it, they'll just keep pushing forward. If the people say, no, this is not what we want, and we're going to stand up against this, then they'll have to retract and take a step backwards and figure out another way. It's very simple. Well, when you talk about you know uh, people stepping away from church, the great apostasy, I was just looking up the definition of modern church. And in Wikipedia, modern church is defined as a charitable society promoting liberal Christian theology. It defends liberal positions on a wide range of issues, including gender, sexuality, interfaith relations, religion and science, and biblical scholarship. So that's the definition of a modern church. How does that contrast with Jesus and what we consider to be, you know, the, 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 the quintessential understanding what it is to be a follower of Christ? Very simple. When you say that you're integrating science and all these other things in there and talking about gender and all these other aspects of it, if you go back to the Bible, back to the ancient Hebrew, and you understand that there was a, a man and God spoke directly to the man and patriarchy was the key, there was no gender issues. He made the man first. He took a rib out of him and created a woman. And she was supposed to be a help meet. And there's hierarchy, there's power in that. Sarah called Abraham Lord. See, women don't want to be told that, hey, this is the way it's going to be. You know, we don't want it that way. We want to be on the same level as a man. And what you don't understand is if you go back to the story of Jezebel, which people keep thinking Jezebel a sexual freak. She was not that. She was the queen. Ahab was the king. So Ahab wanted a um, garden, which was nothing but a, a huge, huge facility, like we're going to botanical gardens or going to the Huntington Library, which is a beautiful place that I used to go into. And it's, you can walk around it. It's not like you're taking food out of it. It's just a place that looks like a beautiful uh, uh, forest. And he wanted this, and God had given that to the priest. And the priest told him, says, this is my inheritance. I can't give it away to you. He came back home, and Jezebel saw him crying. She says, what are you crying for? What are you, what are you upset about? Because the, the, the priest wouldn't sell it to him. He says, don't worry about it. Relax. I'll deal with it. So she went to his envoys, his people that worked for him, and got them to get his signet. And he, she signed some documents and said that she forged these documents, said that the priest did something against the king's rulership, and she had him killed. And then she took the garden from him and gave it to Ahab. Immediately, God went after her. And so Elijah was the one that was doing all this. So when, they, when we say there has to be parity or that women are going to rule over men, God in this Bible is said, I don't like that. So now if you're going to try pushing for that agenda, is that Jesus? Is that God? Because Jesus says, hey, look, the whole Bible was written for me to do your will, O Lord, O God. So the bottom line is if this Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelations is telling you aspects of Jesus for God's purpose to bring man back into his fold. For man to be able to be reconnected back to God like he was in the original portion of it in the beginning in, in, in Genesis 1 and 2, when man was just made in the image of God. So this is the reason why you're having a problem. And if you start bringing in science, scientific technology, which is not science, is nothing but an observable act. We watch the creation. We're not changing anything. Right. And as they learn more about it, they keep calling it evolution. It's not evolving. It's already there. Your mind is and your ability to understand and ascertain what you're seeing is changing. The actual creation is not changing at all. So then the third thing which we get back to is per interpersonal relationships about what we believe someone should be able to do sexually. All you have to do is go to Romans 1, 18 to 32. Okay? You read that. Paul gave you that. That was what God gave him. So you have to look at these diverse 
perspectives and then put them back in the Bible and see, do they align themselves? And you're going to find the quintessential answer. And there was a resounding answer. The answer is no. So there's people right now that want to live with two wives and two husbands and all this stuff. Like in America, you can do that. You have your right to do it. But you cannot say that the God that I support, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and Jesus says that's what you're supposed to do. That's not in the Bible. Do we have grace and mercy in this dispensation? Of course we do. Right? You come as you are. So you can't just, I, until I get rid of this, this scourge on me, I can, can't come into the church. That's BS. You can come into the church as you are right now. So if you got, if you're transgender, if you're gay, if you're whatever you got, gender neutral, you come into the God and you go there to serve. But we're not going to marry you at the altar. We're not going to acknowledge that your relationship is whole within God's kingdom. We're not going to do that. But we're going to teach you and love you and encourage you to be the best you can be. And just because someone's gay doesn't mean they're not going to make it to heaven. It just means that they have to put their whole heart and soul in the hands of Christ and trust in him. But to say we're going to change the doctrine to fit the narrative that the, the, the progressives are asking for, that's out of the question. Well, you talked about a lot today. You know, you, you mentioned, even from the beginning, you know, the understanding of personalized robotics and AI and symbiotic relationships on this digital platform and the interfaces. You talked about the inflation and economy and all those things changing changing along with the times we've got this pandemic disease and CDC changes and mandates, universal income, chips, marks of the beast. And then finally this new world order conversation and a, a Bible that's no longer being read the way it's supposed to. And a godless nation who wants more to serve our present desires once over what God is asking for, even with his grace and mercy. So as conservatives and patriots of this country, lovers of, this way of life that has been established from the beginning, providence, the Bible, the Constitution. How are we supposed to move forward? How are we going to balance staying and focus to what God has asked us to do, but at the same time showing that grace and mercy for those who, again, God doesn't call us to be condemners and judges of other people's lifestyles, but he does ask us to, to continue to press forward towards the mark of what he wants us to do. So how do we stay in alignment with that while still loving the people and operating as that light on a hill? <clears throat> I'm glad you asked that question. You're a brilliant brother, and I love what you just said. Brother Cream Prince, very powerful. Our job is to love people, okay? We want to go back to, uh, you know, First Corinthians chapter 13. Love is the most powerful thing that we can have. We can have all the prophecy. We can have all the, all the knowledge. We can be able to speak in tongues. We can be able to heal people. But love is the most important thing. And so our job is not to condemn. God didn't send Jesus down to condemn the world. He can't send Jesus down to save it. But at the same time, we can't let those things slip that God has given us. We have to hold on to his precepts. We have to stand on his word at all costs. He told Jesus, Jesus told his 70 disciples, he says, go out there. Don't take a script. Don't take any extra clothes. Don't take an extra coat. You know what I'm saying? But go out there and do it. You have power to, to what? Handle serpents and, and scorpions. In other words, the devil has no power over you. What we have to understand is that a lot of people are spiritually and mentally sick. And, you know, as a Christian, and it says, he says in Romans, he says, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seek after God. Without the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can do no good for God. Your flesh is, is where the sin resides at. So everybody's a sinner, including me. So do I deserve grace and mercy? Of course. So I don't want to hold someone accountable because they have a different 
problem with their body and what the situation they're going through than I do. We're all on the same level. The only difference is, is that we as Americans have the freedom and the right to choose. And that's a powerful thing because God's given even mankind free will, the right to choose. And I don't have the right to tell someone who's transgender, who's LBGQTI or non-binary, that can't tell them they can't go out and do what they want to do. Do it. But just like we did in we did an article I did on my Facebook page, you can look at it, Ron Cash, R-O-N-N-C-A-S-H on Facebook. I wrote an article about a gentleman, Mr. Newman, who was really a woman and transgender transitioned into a man. That person's had some major surgeries, almost died, and is now an advocate stopping children from being what? Being transitioned medically. Once you do it, you can't get it in the, the surgeries and everything else. Going back to COVID, it's experimental and no one can be. Sued. So these are things that they are testing, and these are psychological issues that are being dealt with from the physical body. I disagree with that, but they still have the right to do it. And as Christians, we should be coming with the power of the Holy Spirit, which is God himself and his spirit, to go to these people and help them out while they're in this particular situation they're in. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So judging people is not the thing. We just, we're here to tell the truth. We're here to delineate and tell and analyze and interpret and tell people what the truth is. But their decisions and their choices are theirs. And if they say, hey, I'm not hearing it, we need to keep it pushing. We need to let them have their opportunity to hear it. If they don't want to do it, fine, let it go. They come back to us at a later date, well, we'll invite them in. But we still have to have freedoms. And when they start saying, hey, listen, because you don't think this way, that you need to watch your mouth and you better not say this and that, hey, that's when we got to stand up and say, no, 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 no. I have the right to say what I want to say. I have the right to think what I want to think. And I have the right to live the way I want to live. So they can live the way they want to live and they can think whatever they want to think, but I can do the same thing too. Do not come in infringing our rights. That's the difference. So hopefully, Everybody that's a patriot, that's a real Christian, or those that love this country that are not Christian, but want your freedoms, we're totally behind you. But don't infringe upon us. Our rights and our freedoms and our abilities to serve our Christ, our God that's in heaven.